Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning at Westside Foursquare Church. For those of you online, um, this morning I have a, you know, I prayed all week and meditated and was in the word about what to speak today um, because there are so many tumultuous things going on in our, in our times right now in our country. And I really felt like God settled on two things he wanted to say and they're connected. And the first thing is I want to address the graduates that are in our, our midst because we have three uh, graduates, high school graduates in our church plant. Um, and this, yes, heck yeah, yes. Um, and then it's going to go into a word for God's people for this time right now in the United States. And so I'm going to pray and then we'll begin. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we have a source to measure truth. We have a source to measure our lives by. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you that your word is not fleshly. It's not of the earth, but God, it's mighty. It's spiritual and it has power, God, to change our lives and to transform us into the image of Christ. And so God, I thank you for that. I pray, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds this week. And God, that you would pour out of your word into us so that we can be more like Jesus. And we ask all these things in his name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the text I want to go to today is in Colossians chapter 1. And I would like you to turn there, whether you've got a paper Bible or a digital Bible, would you please turn to Colossians chapter 1. I think one of the things that that is um, missing in... Uh, church services and in church attendees uh, to a great extent in our culture is we don't open the Bible anymore. Uh, and even in church, people will sit and listen to it and they'll put, they'll put the verses on the screen, which is fine. That's absolutely fine. I don't have a problem putting verses on the screen, okay? But there's something about you opening your own Bible, whether it's paper or digital, there's something about you going into the Word of God. And so I want to ask you to go with me to Colossians 1 this morning. And I'm going to start out by reading a passage of Scripture, verses 3 through 14. And I'm going to read this. And this is uh, addressing all of Jesus' followers. But specifically, I want to read this over our graduates. Okay. And then when we go to verse 15, it's going to expand a little, bit, a little bit, and I want to address not only them, but I want to address all of Jesus' followers in America, okay? I'm not necessarily talking about everybody who calls themselves a Christian. I'm talking about those who are committed, who have given their lives to follow Christ, all right? So let's start in verse 3, Colossians 1, verse 3. So Paul is, is talking to the Colossians, and I don't think that Paul has ever actually met the Colossians at this point. There was another uh, preacher who came into Colossae and preached the gospel, and then he reported to Paul, who was one of the leaders of the church at that time, he reported to Paul about the church at Colossae. And so Paul writes them a letter, okay, and he says that after hearing about this church, he says, starting in verse 3, and I want to address this to our, to our new graduates as well, okay? So David and Rachel and Sophia and then everybody else. We always thank God 
the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You know, one of the indicators of a person who has decided to follow Jesus, and we studied this in 1 John as well, one of the indicators of a person who has given their life to follow Christ is that they will love Jesus' followers. You can't get apart from that. If you read the New Testament at all, you will see over and over again, starting with Christ himself, who said they will know you are my disciples because of your love for one another. It doesn't say, notice, it doesn't say they will know you are my disciples by what political party you vote for. It doesn't say they will know you are my disciples because you don't smoke and you don't chew and you don't hang out with them that do. It doesn't say they will know you are my disciples because you avoid sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It says they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And Paul is talking about that right here because he's reassuring the Colossians that they are believers, that they are disciples of Christ. And he tells them, he encourages them by saying, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And I want to encourage first our graduates, but I also want to encourage everyone. You are going to meet people who call themselves Christians and don't act like Jesus. I blame that for hot gas. It is going to happen. You are also going to meet people who are absolutely sincere followers of Jesus, and they're going to make mistakes. They are going to make mistakes. And you are going to get hurt by people who are part of the church, whether the eternal church or the human church. Things are going to happen and you're going to get hurt. But I want to encourage you, do not pull away from God's people. Because one of the signs that you are a follower of Jesus is that you love God's people. And sometimes when you love, you get hurt because you cannot love without being vulnerable. You can't. Rachel, David, you cannot love without being vulnerable. Now, that doesn't mean that you just throw your heart open and let anyone trample on it, okay? But it does mean, mean that even if you have healthy boundaries, relationship and emotional boundaries, things are going to happen that are going to hurt your heart. That's why Paul tells the disciples of Jesus in his different writings to be patient with each other. Because you're going to have times where you'll need to choose patience, okay? But always, always look for God's people to associate with and to love, okay? 
Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel or the good news, verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. This is the second thing that I want you to hear, guys. Preach it. Preach it, brother. If you can't hear that online, my grandson is singing, and we appreciate that. That's beautiful. He's singing the songs of his people. Yes. Okay. So the first point that I want you guys to get is that you need to never abandon God's people because a sign of being a follower of Jesus is that you love his people. The second thing I want you to see, guys, is what Paul says here is he says that the gospel, the good news that they heard, is growing and bearing fruit. The gospel is growing and bearing fruit, which means that the gospel is expanding, more people are hearing about it, but that it's also bearing fruit. That means that the good news of Jesus is causing a change in people. That people who were once sinful and bound and enslaved to sin are changing into people who love. And then he says, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Here's what I want you to hear. Rachel, David, Sophia, and everyone else. You are, when you become a Christian, you do not reach a destination, you begin a journey. When you give your life over, and you don't just give your life to Jesus, you give your life to follow Jesus. And when you do that, you don't reach a destination, you begin a journey of following Jesus. Does that begin with a treasure map? Yes, and the Bible is your treasure map. Absolutely. That's not a bad analogy at all. Okay? But you're beginning a journey to follow Jesus. And that journey begins now and will continue throughout eternity. Listen, guys, Jesus did not die on the cross so that you can go to heaven. He didn't. Jesus died on the cross so that your bondage to sin would be broken and that your, your sin would be washed away so that you can follow him and be in relationship with him. And you end up in heaven because that's where he is. Does that make sense? But heaven starts now where you are. You can begin accessing the things of heaven now. Yes, Rachel. Jesus died on the cross for us because he wanted to give us a chance to know him and love him like he wants to love us. Yes. He does love us. Yes. He died on the cross so that you can know and love him. And listen, so he can know and love you. And that is your choice. Do you realize that when Jesus, it says, Jesus says that at the end, he's going to stand in front of people and there's going to be people that he says to them, Depart from me because I never knew you. Well, wait a second. Wait, 
Jesus knows everything, right? He's God. Yes, but knowing about someone and knowing them is two different things. You can know all about someone, but in order to know someone, you have to be invited. Does that make sense, Rachel? In order for Jesus to know you, you have to allow him to know you. I could know everything there is about a celebrity. I could read their biography. I could be a creeper and find out what their address is. I could sit in a tree and watch them all day long and be like totally freaky and know all kinds of things about them. I could know intimate things about them. I could know where their underwear drawer is. But you know what? Unless they invite me into their life, I will never know them. As long as you only see your underwear drawer and never ask what's underneath, I think they'll be okay. Well, maybe so. But you know what? In order for me to know someone, I have to be invited. And it's the same way with Jesus. It's exactly the same way. When we say that, um, because there's an old term, well, I've invited Jesus into my life, okay? But I don't think that people understand what that means. What that means is that you have invited him to be in intimate relationship with you. That means you invite him into all your celebrations, into all your um, crying and laughing and everything else. You invite him to know you, Rachel. But it's also not just about inviting him, but accepting his invitation. Correct, because that's what relationship is. That's what relationship is. When I invited Pastor Joy to marry me, she also invited me to marry her. And what we did was we invited each other into our lives and we invited each other to know the other person. But you know what? If you have a marriage where one person doesn't allow the other person to know them, you have a very sick, unhealthy marriage. So the point that I want to get across in this passage is that you are on a journey in which you are growing in your faith and growing as the gospel, as the good news of Jesus changes you and matures you. Now skip down to verse 9. Paul continues and says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So what is he praying for the church? This is what I'm praying for you, Rachel and David and Sophia. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, that's the first part of the prayer. The first part of the prayer is that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Have you guys, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, The Matrix, where um, people can plug into a computer and you can download software. I have not seen it. I've heard about it. I've seen 10 glimpses. And that's okay. But in this movie, um, in this fantasy world, you can download and learn karate like this by just downloading the information into your brain, Okay. In the real world, in the real world, if you're going to grow in knowledge, that takes time. 
but it also takes effort. Right now, Rachel is studying for a big test. Rachel cannot take that textbook and just open her head and drop it in. Right? <laughs> Even if Rachel took the textbook and put it on a tape and played it over and over and over while she was playing video games or while she's doing something else, you know what? That's not going to be fully effective for her to grasp that information and then do well on the test. Rachel has to give effort to learn the information. All right. So when Paul is praying over the church at Colossae and saying that he's praying that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, you have a part to play in that. You have a part to play. It's not just going to happen. We have to expend energy and effort to go along with that process the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us, but we have to go along with that process. Okay? I like what Dallas Willard says. He says that salvation, the process of salvation and the process of transformation requires effort. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Okay? So if you're doing things to try and make God happy with you, you cannot partake of his grace. But as grace is moving on your heart and mind to make you more like Jesus, you can and indeed you must exert effort to go along with that, to walk in harmony with what grace is doing. Okay? So as it says... Uh, that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So I want to encourage you guys, listen. Read the word. Read the word. Read the word. It makes a difference. And then be careful what other things you put into your brain as well. Okay? The Holy Spirit through faith, will walk you through this process of being filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, but you have to walk. Look in the next verse, verse 10, it says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So God does the teaching God provides the grace, but we have to walk. We have to choose to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So God provides the salvation. He sets us free from the bondage to sin. He gives us the grace and power, and then we choose to walk. Because remember, when you give your life to follow Jesus, you haven't reached a destination. You've started a journey. 
You've begun a journey that lasts the rest of your life. And right now that you guys have graduated from high school, the part of, there's a part of you that's going, yes, I made it. I did it. But the truth is, guys, you have just taken the first step. You have just taken the first step of your journey. And I want to encourage you to make sure that your journey is walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11 says, May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. This is where I want to kind of transition, not just talking to the seniors and everybody else, but now talking to everyone who has chosen to follow Jesus on that journey. He says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Guys, today is flag day. Today is a day designated by the government to fly the American flag. I love my country. I love the United States of America. I gave four years of my life in military service to the United States of America. I have ancestors who died in service to the United States of America. I love my country. But you know what? This country is changing, and it's changing quickly. Stand up, we're going to have to put walls around the whole country. I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that the government is restricting churches and what they can do. Yes, it is in the Constitution that one of our rights is the freedom of religion. And guess what? They're doing it anyway. Yeah. Okay. I think this is more of an answer to the corona. Yes, and there are reasons for them to put restrictions on gatherings. The problem is that the restrictions on gatherings are ending up more restrictive to church meetings than it is to other kinds of gatherings. Yeah. There, are, there are state governments that are releasing notices that say you cannot have more than 10 people in a gathering unless you're protesting something. So what they're saying is that people who are protesting things have more right to gather than people in churches. It could also be they're not thinking about in the term sentence that we are. They're not, because they're thinking in worldly terms. Okay, But our country is changing, and the freedoms that we have enjoyed as followers of Jesus very likely are about to get restricted. This last week, there was a pastor who got on Twitter and liked some comments on Twitter. And because of the things that he liked on Twitter, the city came and told the church they could not renew their rental agreement. Wow. This happened in Alabama. Yep. Because of what the pastor liked on Twitter. Yeah. 
the city came in and said, we're closing down your lease and we're going to close down your church. Did he like violent things? No. What was the terms of what he was banging at? It doesn't matter. It's because he exercised his freedom of speech, the city is trying to close down his church. Guys, listen, and I don't want to be a doomsayer. I don't want to be somebody who's saying, oh my gosh, the world is horrible. What I'm saying is it is very likely that soon the freedoms that we have enjoyed, as uh, the freedoms of religion that we have enjoyed in our country could very soon be restricted. And Paul says here, he says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And guys, the time is coming when followers of Jesus are going to have to be strengthened with God's power to endure. Welcome to his shadows. To endure hardship and to have patience. But do you see what he says? He says to to for all endurance and patience with joy. That means having an excitement in your heart for what God is doing. Even though things are hard. Today is flag day and I love my country, but guys, I want to read to you from Colossians 1 starting in verse 15. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That means in everything Jesus will be first. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Y'all listen. I love my country, but Jesus is Lord. I love the United States of America, but Jesus is Lord over the authority of the United States of America. And I, in my life, I am accountable to obey God. But what is his commandment? What is God's commandment? To love people. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we are coming into a time where we may have to love with endurance and patience.
Jesus is Lord. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles 7. That's in the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles 7. We're going to read verses 13 and 14. And this is where Solomon built a temple to God in Jerusalem. And he dedicated the temple to God. And God spoke to Solomon after that dedication service. Okay? Now, I want, to, I want to preface this, okay? This originally and specifically is a word that God gave to Solomon and to Israel, okay? So we have to be careful when we apply this to us and when we apply this to the church because its original intent was a word to Solomon and to Israel, but there are principles in this that we can definitely apply to ourselves. Okay? It's, he says to Solomon, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, basically he's telling Israel when bad things happen. He says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now again, we have to treat this scripture carefully, remembering that primarily and originally, God was talking to Israel. But there are principles here for us as God's people. And we are seeing a lot of bad things happen in our world, okay? COVID-19 falls under, can fall under the idea of a pestilence. The whole idea of rain not coming to the land and pestilence and all these things and locusts is talking about their economy. And right now our economy is struggling, And there is a place for us as God's people, as people who bear his name, to follow these instructions. But most of the time when I hear this verse used nowadays, it's just talking about praying. And that's not what God says in this passage. God lists four different disciplines, four different actions, different courses of action for his people to follow. And I want to really quickly go through these four and then we're going to wrap things up. He says, if my people who are called by my name, number one, humble themselves. Humble themselves. Let me tell you something. People who call themselves Christians rising up and yelling and being hateful to people who disagree with them is not humility. And God will not honor that kind of behavior. In fact, God says that he opposes the proud 
and gives grace to the humble. And right now, what our nation needs is grace. So the first thing that God instructs his people to do when times are hard is humble themselves. Humble themselves. We are told that we're supposed to be like Jesus. And in Philippians, it specifically says, take on this attitude that Jesus, although he was equal with God, did not consider that something to be held on to. But he humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. In fact, he humbled himself even to be killed on a cross for us. And in these times, Jesus' true followers, people who are truly following Jesus, are not going to be rising up and shaking their fists and calling people names. Jesus' true followers are going to be humbling themselves before God. Is there a time for community action? Absolutely. But you always do it from a place of love, gentleness, and humility. But the first thing we should be doing is humbling ourselves before God. And our leaders ought to be humbling themselves before God. So he says the first thing that we ought to be doing is humble ourselves. The second thing is pray. There is a place for prayer. Listen, we have to heal the wounds in our land. We have to reach out to people who are not like us and build relationship. And we have to learn how to empathize with people who are not like us. We have to seek to understand, to hear and understand and validate their story. And they should seek us out because we're different and seek to hear and understand and validate our story. But the first thing that we must do after we humble ourselves before God is to pray and talk to God about the situation. So the first thing we do is humble ourselves. The second thing we do is pray. The third thing that we do is seek God's face. Seek his face. Listen. It is, unhealthy, it is an unhealthy father-child relationship when all the child does is come and ask the parent to give them something. When all a child ever does is go to their parent when they want money or when they want a new toy or they want permission to do something, that is not a healthy relationship. There are times where a child will do that in a healthy relationship. But if that's the child's primary concern and the only reason they go to their parent, if the child only seeks the parent's hand and what the parent can do for them, that is not healthy. And God says, seek my face. Do you know what that means? Remember we talked, Rachel, about knowing God and God knowing us? That's what this is talking about, seeking God's face. We want to know God. 
We want God's face to look upon us and be aware of us. And too much prayer right now, guys, is going up saying, God, please do this. God, please give me that. God, please give me this. There are entire groups of people who go to church because they want to experience the Holy Spirit heebie-jeebies. They want to feel something, but they never seek the face of God. They never seek to know Him and to be known by Him. So the first thing that we have to do in these troubled times, y'all, is we have to humble ourselves and not consider ourselves better than other people. Because you know what? That's where racism comes from. It comes from a person exalting themselves over another human being. And God says we need to humble ourselves. We need to pray. We need to seek his face. And finally, we need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to repent. We need to go before God and repent for the sins that we have committed as his people. And guys, one of those sins is a refusal to reach out in relationship to people who are different than us. That is one of the wicked things that has made its way into the church of Jesus in our times. That we have not made the effort. Because remember, it involves effort. We have not made the effort to reach out to people who are different than we are. What we do is we get together in our churches, our own churches, where we're comfortable. We listen to the music we're comfortable with. We listen to the kind of preaching we're comfortable with. We're around people who look like us, who think like us, who drive the same cars that we do, who wear the same clothes that we do, and we have not reached out. Jesus says that every tribe, nation, language will be in heaven. And heaven starts now. It's not something that happens when we die. So if every tribe, language, nation is going to be in heaven, shouldn't we be walking that out now? So our denomination, the Foursquare denomination, for the next three days, Monday through Wednesday, is uh, we've proclaimed a fast a time of fasting and prayer, and guys, a time of lament. Lament is when you cry out because your heart is hurting. And I want to invite you guys, and I want to invite everyone watching to join us in three days of fasting, prayer, and lament for the mistakes that we have made as a country, for the state mistakes that we've made in the American church for refusing to empathize with people who are being hurt and being marginalized. You know what? Jesus specifically identified with people who were marginalized. He specifically identified with people who were being mistreated. In fact, when Jesus came to earth, he came to earth as an ethnic minority. 
back in the Roman Empire, people from Africa were not the ethnic minority. In fact, Africa had some amazing, powerful kingdoms in it during that time. But the Jews were an ethnic minority in that time that were mistreated, that were marginalized, that had their power taken away from them. And Jesus came into that people group and represented all of mankind from that standpoint. If Jesus specifically came down and became a person of a marginalized people group, then if we refuse to empathize and understand marginalized people groups, then we will never truly understand the Savior that we proclaim to follow. Jesus was not white middle class. So I want to invite you to join us Monday through Wednesday. You may not, for one reason or another, you may not be able to do a complete fast and just drink water, but pray and ask the Holy Spirit what you can give up for the next three days. And then spend focused, intentional time in prayer. And I want to encourage you to pray what David did. David, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And you know what he prayed? He said, God, examine me. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of life everlasting. So I want to encourage you to join us in prayer and fasting for the next three days. On Wednesday evening at, uh, I think it's at 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Oh, 5 o'clock Pacific time, 6 o'clock New Mexico time, and you can do the math for the rest of the country. At foursquarelive.org, they're going to have a service to end it all. Y'all, our country is hurting. It is suffering. It is split right down the middle. Jesus himself said a house that's divided against itself cannot stand. And if we don't find a way to heal the wounds in our land, this nation will not continue to stand. But it has to start with us as God's people who are called by his name, humbling ourselves. Well, I'm not racist. That's a prideful statement. Doesn't matter if you're racist or not. Are you willing to humble yourself and become a servant? and pray, and seek God's face, and join in turning from wicked ways, then God promises, I will heal their land. So God, we come before you this morning. God, if nothing else, we repent of pride. We repent of thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. God, we repent of not taking on our brothers' and sisters' burdens. You said that as believers, we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. And there's entire people groups of believers that we have refused to carry their burden with us or with them. 
And God, we repent of that. Help us to be a people who empathize with the marginalized, who empathize with the mistreated. Because Jesus, that's what you did. And if we say we're following you, then we have to go where you are willing to go. Help us, God, not only this week, but our whole lives. Help us to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek your face, not your hand, not what you can do for us, but who you are, to seek your face, to turn from wicked ways. And God, we do ask you, please, as we follow this prescription that you've given us, would you please heal our land? Would you let your people rise up to stand against hatred, to stand against anger, to stand against a prejudice, to stand against wickedness, and to love people because that is your commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You even told us in your word, God, that we're supposed to love those who hate us, to pray for those who persecute us, and to bless and not to curse them. God, we as your people are called to be salt and light in a dying world. And we repent and we lament that we have not done that the way we're supposed to. Would you forgive us and would you make us like Jesus? We ask that you would do this, God, so that Jesus would be glorified. He would be lifted up and he would draw all men to himself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thank you for joining us online today. Uh, if you found this message encouraging, maybe you found it healing, maybe you found it challenging, uh, please feel free to leave appropriate comments below. Um, if you would like to discuss any of these things, but you don't want to do it in a public setting, you can send me a message on our Facebook. Um, and also, you know what, guys? Um, let's be the church. Let's be Jesus to a lost and dying world identifying with the marginalized and loving the people that no one wants to love. So thanks again for joining us. Feel free to share this on your page. Uh, we love you and we believe in you and we believe in Jesus in you. Thanks guys.